In our series, A String of Pearls, Dutch Buzz contributors speak to people who have made an exceptional contribution to our local community. People whose passion for what they do have had an added value for the city of The Hague. Who is an expat and what does it mean to live away from your home country for a period of time? The answers to this question are reflected in a wealth of documentation that comes into the safekeeping of the Expatriate Archive Centre in The Hague on a regular basis. Christine Resina, the director of the centre, works together with a team of volunteers to collect and preserve the life stories of expatriates worldwide for future research. Lilian Strobach asked her if the volunteers she worked with were expatriates themselves. Uh, indeed, it's a very wide variety of people. Uh, through the years, we've had Dutch people, we've had international people, we've had students, we've had retired people, we've had people who just moved to the Netherlands and uh, were trying to settle or were looking for jobs or just wanted to contribute their time while working already. So it's it's amazing variety of people uh, coming from different countries. Yeah, that must add a, a special dimension to your workday. Very much. And what we are known for are very lively lunch discussions because we have lunch all together at one table and uh, the topics are endless and uh, discussions are wonderful and sometimes we basically have to tear ourselves from the table to actually go back to work and stop talking. Yeah. Now, anybody listening to this uh, thinking, ooh, that might be something for me, do you ever run out of volunteers? Uh, currently we're actually looking for a PR volunteers, a volunteer who could help us, uh, our PR manager, with our social media or writing articles and seeing for the, looking for opportunities how to promote uh, the archive. And the uh, other option is always archival volunteers who help us to process the collections that we have. And for that people can apply anytime and we're happy to reply if we have an opening. Um, now to the history of the archives. How did it come about? Uh, it actually started in the uh, 1990s with publication of two anthologies. It was initiative of uh, partners uh, whose husbands worked for Shell and uh, at that time they wanted to raise awareness of what it means to be expatriate, what it means to live abroad settle and move again and settle and move again uh, so that's why they put the call out for the families within the company to submit their experiences their descriptions whether they were letters poetry cartoons about their experiences of being expatriate and uh, in 1993 they published the first book it was a big success and they published a second book in 1996 and one of our founding members kept all the contributions and she felt obliged to save that part of uh, yeah, human history, call it that way. Um, and she met with a uh, social historian who saw the value in this material and that's how the idea of an archive mm. was born. Might it also have come out of uh, a sense of misunderstanding? Like, I live in The Hague, but I sometimes feel like an alien. I think it's a combination of things for sure and uh, in 90s 
people were less inclined or excited to move because of work of one of the partners. Uh, so there was also that dual career question and not in every country people were allowed to work. And uh, I think it was also, it started with Shell, but in 2008, the archive became an independent foundation. So for us, it doesn't matter whether people work at all. It's really the expatriate experience. I think it's important to uh, increase awareness what it means to be an expatriate. Uh, and it's not only those stereotypical of understandings that it's rich white people working for multinationals. Uh, based on our definition, expatriate is anyone who lives temporarily outside their home country. So for us, an international student is an expatriate, uh, someone who moves uh, with partner is an expatriate, uh, someone who may just uh, do babysitting job in a different country is also an expatriate. People, like an au pair, for example. Exactly. Really? Uh, people who most probably will never think of themselves as an expatriate. But we focus really on the notion of temporarity. What does it mean when you uh, know that you live temporarily somewhere? And what does it do to you? What it does to your family, to your children? And this is the material that we are looking at for people who document their life at that period of time, uh, write diaries, letters, may have pictures depicting their life or any other documentation that helps researchers to understand what it means. To and do you think there's there's a better understanding of the expat mode of life nowadays? I think it's very different and I'm sure it's better as the migration uh, becomes a topic that is being researched more and more. But I think there's still plenty to do and plenty to look at. So lots of work for you, Madhya. Very much so. <laughs> The expert lifestyle, is it alive and well, or do we see it diminishing somewhat? I think as migration is something that has become a part of our life and moving from one country to another is not something very special that was in the past. I think it's just, it's part of our life and it will continue. And uh, it's only natural for people to look for better life for themselves and their family. You say the archive is basically there for uh, research purposes. I'm very curious. I mean, what kind of treasures do you have in there? The oldest collection that we have is the end of 19th century. Actually, we recently got another one. So we have two collections covering that period of time. Majority of material comes from last century. Yeah, 70s, 80s. That's the biggest chunk but then it's very different and they are also recent archives that we have and you have to think indeed from the older perspective it's letters diaries something physical in paper and we also look at the digital material like emails blogs that people write because we also feel that it's blogs are type of a diary and it would be very sad if that doesn't get documented and we have that thought that if something is digital online will stay there forever which is not uh, i was just that was going to be my follow-up questions you have this amazing resource of photographs artifacts letters postcards communication all correspondence nowadays goes via yeah your phone 
Indeed, and that's why a few years ago we launched the blog archiving project. It's a very specific uh, yeah, focus for us uh, because obviously there are phones, you send messages, there are social media where you also uh, write and share your experiences. So we felt like starting with one particular type of digital material and see where it leads us, starting from technology, what can we use to archive it, and ending also with additional legal aspects that we have to take care of. I'm just thinking of, for example, a WhatsApp correspondence between one expat and maybe her home or his home country. How can people ensure that that is preserved in a way, if it is all digital? Should you be thinking about that? Working for the archive, the only answer I could give is yes. And uh, (laughs) I think with WhatsApp option, you have the archiving option as well. I mean, it can be as simple as downloading within a file. And the question, where do you save? In which format do you save to make sure that it doesn't disappear somewhere? Um, Social media offers also different possibilities of archiving your own uh, timelines and whatever you share. And... uh, then making an effort and maybe reaching out to archives or specialists in data preservation, what are the best ways to do it? It's not always the most expensive way, but it's really thinking what are the options there and what is dear to you. I think that's also a question you have to start with yourself, what you would like to keep and start investigating how it can be done. Kisvina, can you give me a, a clear idea of what you're looking for? I'm sure the listeners out there with huge collections of material who say, I wonder if this is important enough. We are looking really uh, for diaries, emails. It could be letters, whether it's digital or on paper. It could be also blogs, really describing your daily life of expatriate. Uh, it doesn't matter in which language, it doesn't matter which nationality you are. Uh, we are really reaching worldwide, meaning to say you don't have to be a Dutch citizen, you don't have to live in the Netherlands, as a matter of fact. It can be anyone with no, collect, no connection to the Netherlands either. So it's really documenting, writing down what it means to you to be expatriate or describing your daily life or write your letters to your family members or friends. This is what is very uh, important and valuable for us, not only because we would like to keep it, but because researchers see a very big value in that. For them, it's a source material for their further research. I know you have exhibitions from time to time. So these samples of expatriate life, they do see the day of light from time to time. They do. We have to be very careful because of the privacy aspects. Uh, because, uh, yeah, if we talk about diaries, people don't write them necessarily thinking one day somebody, a stranger, will be reading it. And uh, who do you mention? And oftentimes people even don't know that a family member has a diary. So that's why privacy aspects are of a, a big importance to us. And we always look for creative ways to highlight our collection and that's why we did the exhibition in 2015 we did the exhibition in 2018 as well and uh, 2018 exhibition was indeed that we ask artists to use our collection as an inspiration for their pieces of art that uh, we showcase and uh, 
it's the exhibition is still there on the archive so once the time gets better and more people can visit different places we hope to showcase it again what future do you see for the archive i think covid in a way was good because it shook up shook our priorities and made us think at our work differently and also reminded us what is the goal for the archive and what is the most important thing for us, what we would like to do. And uh, since the archive collects the material really for academic research, the focus and the question at hand for us, what can we do and how can we achieve uh, that researchers can consult our collection without physically having to come to us? Because of privacy uh, issues, that's the current situation. Um, that's the only way for us to ensure that uh, they are all respected. Does that mean digitali digitalize everything? Digitizing. Um, we split those steps in two for us. And the first step for uh, the next few years for us is to make sure that we have a catalog online which will mean for researchers that they themselves can consult the catalogue and decide whether we have material of interest to them and whether a trip to The Hague, regardless where they are, is worth their time. How the step from there will look, uh, we'll have to see on the technologies available because the question of privacy and safety of the personal data will never change. So we have to make sure that the data is used in a correct way and people's personal lives are also respected. And yeah, data is protected in the best way possible. Yes, we now turn to um, Christine, the individual. When did you come to The Hague and, and, and what actually got you here? I met my Dutch husband in 2005 in China. Um, we both were for work. And uh, yeah, that's how our relationship developed. And then in 2006, we moved together to Yemen. After that, we moved to Bonaire. And in 2011, we moved to the, to the Netherlands. Um, and we also moved here because of uh, my family-in-law, my mother-in-law, who was not doing so well. So that was a very specific reason. And ever since, we just stayed here. Yeah, and how did that process go? For you, um, was it an easy assimilation? I think the best advice I got from a Dutch person who uh, was my Dutch teacher actually in Bonaire was to look for social clubs and to start volunteering. And uh, we moved in end of December and I started volunteering in January. So that's how you build your network, you meet people, um, you decide for yourself what is next, what you would like to do, whether it's a job, whether it's settled down, whether you have a family, what are the priorities. But I think it's important to think of yourself and what what do you need as a person and start building on your community. That's the best what you can do to yourself. It's been more than a decade. What do you feel you've gained? What does the Hague mean? Well, what does it mean to you? Because there's no way you're leaving, are you? Yeah, we are not planning to go anywhere. So, uh, yeah, it's become home. Um, I've met wonderful people. I think it made me learn about myself a real lot. I uh, 
started working in the area that I never thought I would end up because I'm trained as economist, work for the government. <laughs> um, yeah, and I, I got my son here, so yeah, it's a home by now. <laughs> Now, I asked you to bring something off your bedside table, something off your work desk, and a significant photograph. What have you brought along to the studio? From the office, I actually took a globe that we have, and we put pins uh, in places or countries, cities, that our volunteers feel like that is their home. It doesn't have to be their passport country. Um, and it's the number of countries that by now is represented that is amazing and, and something that the archive is proud of. Um, we have covered, I think, all continents by now, which is wonderful to see. Um, at home, from home, um, as I mentioned uh, before already, uh, I grew up in different countries and growing up in our house it was always the most important thing that you have where to sleep and what to eat your basic needs are covered and the rest you travel because that's the experiences that enrich your life and that's something that makes you a better person and you learn about other people in other countries so I never grew up attached to things it's more the experiences uh, that I have and uh, yeah bedside as I mentioned <laughs> it's my glass reading glasses telephone charger and a box of tissues <laughs> and uh, regarding photographs it's really the pictures of my family um, yeah would you say that a suitcase might have been some of the the most significant item in your in your life as you as you grew up I guess, and uh, with current travel experiences, I think the suitcase becomes smaller and smaller. <laughs> so you realize that you can actually live with uh, hand luggage as well. But indeed, suitcase is something that's been part of my life uh, as long as I know. <laughs> a significant photograph, did you manage to find one? I think it's really my family. And then when you say family, it's like, is it only my husband and my son? Is it my mother and father, sister? and nephew so it's it's not I don't have unfortunately a picture when they're all of it on it together but I would say indeed it's pictures of them yeah we were talking earlier and saying that uh, yeah we travel light the more you travel the lighter it becomes doesn't it and and yeah all that materialism what is it in the end indeed and it's yeah I think the photographs that's what means the most and these days is it digital is it hard copies you're lucky if you still have old pictures of your family and if you don't you start building yourself and uh, yeah these days unfortunately majority is digital well earlier you gave some tips about how to store some of that so listeners um yeah it's, it's, it's not going to last forever on your phone or in your computer do make that extra step to preserve it for for your family and, and future generations. You know, what, what value do you put on all of this? I think it's amazing to see how daily life things or descriptions or images actually make a difference for research and 
really increases awareness and, and better understanding what it means to be an expatriate, what it means to uh, live temporarily somewhere outside of your home country. And uh, seeing researchers getting totally excited when they find those diaries. And I think we as yeah, regular human beings don't realize how a simple letter can make a difference, but it does. And I think that's important to know. I'm just thinking on on the receiving end. I think both of us came here uh, as adults from different countries. Um, how well were you received in The Hague? <laughs> that's a tricky question. I would say uh, very well. And uh, I think everything starts also from your own attitude and, and how open you are to those new experiences. And uh, I think expatriate life also teaches you don't come with preset ideas, be open and uh, learn about the culture and don't assume things. That's as simple as that. Christina Racina, the director of the Expatriate Archive Center in The Hague. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, I do have one more question it suddenly popped into my head. How unique is this Expatriate Center? Is there one in every major city or did we spark off something? Actually, there's no such organization who does exactly what we're doing. You can find archives of uh, expatriates in some other archives somewhere as a part of a collection. But we are unique uh, because we focus only on that type of material. And oftentimes expatriates fall through the cracks because they don't really belong somewhere and they may settle in a country that has never been the country where they grew up or if they start their life already like a third culture kid, what is their home? That's the biggest struggle that people have. How do you answer that question? So, yeah, we are unique and and it's uh, wonderful to see. Well, I think that definitely makes you uh, the Hague pill, Christine. Thank you so much for joining us on Dutch Buzz and keep it up. I think it's amazing work that you do. Uh, very valuable, especially for the generations to come. Dutch Buzz for news, views, and interviews that focus on the city of The Hague. Den Haag.